0: Eddie, thank you. Father, we thank you for your presence in this place. We need your presence to encourage us. We need your presence, God, to give us the strength that we need to face all the challenges that are before us in this world. And so, Lord, we want to be in your presence. Just a few moments. Enjoy his presence right now. God, we enjoy your presence. Two or three are gathered together. That's why we're here, to be in your presence with our brothers and sisters ask you to give us the strength to acknowledge your presence no matter what we go through this week or in the rest of our lives. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen. 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 Let's bless the Lord. God bless you. You may be seated. I'm going to call an audible today. I'm going to talk about living fearless in times of fearfulness. So would you put up that slide for me? I want to just encourage you. That when you're living fearless and fearful times, that what that means is you're aware of what other people are afraid of. It's just you're not letting that stuff bother you. Because here would be the question that, that we want to ask. What's more important? Okay. Well, the Bible's more important, okay, but how many know less important things are still needed? Okay. how you know. How many know like if I asked you would you rather be sick would you rather be sick or healthy how many would you would say healthy okay how many know if I said you could you could only choose between being healthy or rich you would choose healthy but how many if I said you could be healthy or rich a uh, healthy and rich would choose both okay so we are living in fearful times we are living in fearful times, and we need this. We need disinfecting, but it's not as important as this. So the Word of God tells us not to forsake gathering together as the church. So we're going to keep gathering together as the church, and maybe there are some weak among us. They can't gather during this time because they might be prone to catch a virus, and it might have more devastating effects on them. That's okay. That's why we're live. And that's why we do home visitations. That's why we love people. But at the same time, if you're healthy, come to church, okay? And then while you're at church, behave like a normal human being. Don't snot on people. Don't breathe all close to people. Give them space. Be normal. And maybe go out of your way to sanitize a little bit more. But we need both even though this is more important. We need both even even though this is more important. And oftentimes people uh, talk to us as Christians and they think we're just superstitious and so that uh, we don't believe in quarantine, we don't believe in wisdom and all of those things. Read our Bible. We had quarantine long before they ever did. The Bible said do this with sick people. They should be here for a certain amount of time. As a matter of fact, if you study the benefits of what was natural to them in that culture, olive oil, just take olive oil and how they rubbed it on themselves. It was an antibiotic. It had antioxidants in it. They they would use balms. They would use essential oils. These were smart people, and they did have a long life other than certain things that maybe they couldn't prevent at that time, wars. Or certain types of diseases that they had not yet discovered cures for. But they knew how to quarantine sick people. And so if you're sick and you're not well, then quarantine yourself. Amen. Do that at any time. Thank you very much. But if you are well and you are healthy and you believe that church is important, then come to church. Amen. Can I hear amen to that? So I just want to clarify that as a church. It's not that we have to go either either or. We can have both and. We can have both then, but what I want to talk about today is how people just act ridiculous when they get into the spirit of fear, and that's where we need to, as a church, be woke. Somebody say, get woke. This idea of everybody buying buying toilet paper is hilarious. What in the world, man? By the way, Jesus, and for thousands of years, people have lived without toilet paper. You can go to the bathroom without toilet paper, y'all. Water can wash you clean. Are you listening to me? Let me just leave it at that. And if you need help, just ask an Indian friend of yours or someone who's been to India, and they'll help you understand what they do in there and how they use a pitcher of water and just clean themselves there. That's how they do it. So, I mean, why are we buying toilet paper? I can understand where, you know, people are buying Lysol and disinfect it, but why are we buying all this stuff? And then why are we freaking out to the level that we are? What I, what I think this is and what, what it shows us as a culture is really we're not as strong and as stable as we think we are. Like all these people that are walking by us when we're preaching and they're saying, no, I don't need Jesus, I'm good. No, really, you're not good. You're one bad news report away from losing your mind. You're not okay. Like you look okay for right now, but the moment something goes wrong in your life, you are going to lose your mind. And this is what we've been talking about in the book of 1 John about the Antichrist, the main one coming in many singular Antichrists, that when that Antichrist comes, these people fall for his deception. We'll just look around the world right now and see how easy it would be for people to fall for deception. Just imagine if the epidemic was something on the level of like the Black Plague or something that was killing one out of two people. Imagine those kinds of things spreading and then a fearless leader coming up with the cure. And then for you to get the cure or the vaccine for your family, all you have to do is receive the mark. And that's the same mark that you need to buy your groceries. That's the same mark that you need to go to your job. How fast do you think people will take that? Mark. I mean, really? <laughs> Come on. Yes. Hello. I mean, it is going to be like so fast, man. It is going to... It, it. People are so sheeple when they don't have God. And even God's people can act like sheeple when they start listening to how the world is talking. We should not be listening to how they talk. Once again, we listen to them as what they may know about, like Tell us how to do you know, disease control or those kinds of things. But, but when they talk about the worldview and what motivates them and how they try to find peace in life, we are opposite. The Bible literally says they're in darkness and we're in light. Can I hear an amen? Amen. So let me call an audible. Let me just talk about living fearless in fearful times. Go to 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7, popular scripture that I memorized early on in Christianity. I would encourage you to do the same as well. For the spirit God gave us does not make us timid or fearful, but gives us power, love, and self-discipline. So let's just think about all the things we can be fearful of. It's not just today a disease. We could be fearful of dying in a car accident. There's phobias for everything. We could be fearful about going out and being around people to catch some other kind of disease. We could be fearful about the economy having a recession. Those who are interested in stocks and the economy know that it dropped about 20% just in the last two weeks or so. And those of you who have 401Ks and different things are probably looking at that like I'm looking at my goodies going, oh, Lord, help us. Help us. But you know what's crazy about that is people know how to make money when it goes down. They short these stocks. So don't don't get discouraged. Don't get discouraged. There's a way to make money in all markets, and it will come back up. I believe in America. Amen. Uh, But, you know, we can be fearful of everything, fearful of our jobs, fearful of catching a disease, fearful of uh, taking that romantical ride in a helicopter and dying like Kobe we might die in a helicopter crash going out you know to be with our friends and so there's all these ways we can die and if you think about it, it even gets more intricate in that have you ever thought about your heart beating I mean that that heart is just beating right now it's beating while you're sleeping that thing stops beating you're done <laughs> I mean isn't that a fearful thing when you think about it like this this heart it's going but it stops boom you're done And then you think about like this thin layer of skin. Some of you are like, well, thanks, Pastor. I'm afraid of everything. Now just stop, please, while you're ahead. No, I'm going to keep going. Uh, Just think about this thin layer of skin that holds everything together for you. I mean, it's so small. It is so small, and yet it's holding together your organs. It's keeping everything protected from the world around you. I mean, it's like a net in a sense, you know? It's, I mean, it's meant to guard what's coming into you. But you could be exposed. You could be, you could be opened up so easily and, and poked through, and things could spill out. So are we supposed to be afraid of that? Are we supposed to be afraid to live? Are we supposed to be afraid of the next thing, the next thing that's going to be coming down the road? No, we are not supposed to live with fear. Now, does that mean we live without wisdom and how we interact with these things? No. Uh, When we put on a seatbelt, it's not that we don't trust God with our life. It's just that we're saying God enables us to protect ourselves by putting on a seatbelt. It's a both and. When you go take a vaccination, and some of you don't believe in that, and that's fine, but those of us who do, when we go get a vaccination or we go uh, you know, get antibiotics for when we're sick and, and do all of these things, we're not saying we don't trust God. What we're saying is God uses these things. And we've always said that. Christians have always believed there's a curse upon the earth, and God can miraculously deliver us from this curse, or God can give us wisdom from that thing that is coming against us. We've always believed that. So just, just take, for example, in the time of Noah's flood, you know, if, if, if it was just make-believe, God could have given him a magic carpet. He could have flew away on a magic carpet. Why is it a boat? Because God used a natural thing like buoyancy and the, and the laws of buoyancy and water and all of that to tell him to build a boat to do that to survive. And so there may be many arcs that God gives us as a culture throughout human society. Vaccination is an arc that keeps us from spreading certain kinds of diseases. Healthy eating is a natural thing that prevents us from dying. Does everybody get that? Dying early. And so so it's not that we're denying fearful things, it's just what does fear give us in that, in that situation? Nothing. So why not live the way God has intended us to live, living in faith, living in victory, living in the, the trust that God has everything under control? If you believe that, can I hear an amen? Amen. amen. Now let's go to the book of Luke and just understand this trajectory. that this is just the introduction. Somebody say the introduction. This is just the introduction to the world's problems. This is nothing. It's going to get a lot worse than this. I mean, this is nothing compared to what the Bible says is coming upon us. And so we as uh, Christians, we believe that God is going to send Jesus back, and he's going to judge the world. And we have a doctrine called the rapture, a doctrine called the rapture. Go to Luke chapter 21, verse, uh, Luke chapter 21. Let's say, let's start in verse 8. Luke chapter 21, verse 8. We believe that the church will be raptured. The word rapture means caught up. We believe that we'll be caught up to be with Jesus before all of these great tribulations come, the great tribulations cast upon this earth. But before the rapture, there's the beginning of these things, and it's actually after the rapture as the culmination of chaos on the earth that the Antichrist comes and gives all of this solution, all all these answers to these problems, all these solutions, with him along with the false prophet uniting the world that gives him that power. But let's just think about this for a little bit. What if if I, as your pastor, and we as Christians who teach what's known as the pre-tribulation rapture, what if we're actually wrong? Okay, just think about that for a minute. There are some great Christians, men of God, women of God that I love and respect that believe we're going to go through that. What happens then? You might be mad at me, but you're going to be mad at God. Be like, man, I'm not going to serve you now, God. I have to go through the great tribulation with the Antichrist. You're going to quit on Jesus? I mean, if you did, that would be very terrible. Uh, Going to hell is not going to make God feel sorry for you. So I always just give this as a what if because if we're thinking to ourselves, things cannot get bad before Jesus raptures us, then you might have the wrong mentality. The better mentality would be like this. Things are going to get crazy And Jesus will rapture us at some point, and I just want to be ready. So we don't know how much of the crazy we'll be here for. So prepare yourself for some level of the crazy. You might be here for the worst of it. We might go through it. I don't think we will. I don't think we will. But even if we were, then be ready for it. And if you only go through the little bit of it, you'll be prepared for it. So look at the verse. Verse 8 says, watch out, Jesus speaking, that you are not deceived. We've learned about this. For many will come in my name, claiming I am he. The time is near. And then he says, don't follow them. So they're going to be like, he's coming back. I'm he. But he says, when you hear of wars and uprisings, don't be frightened. These things must happen first, but the end will not come right away. So notice how... These kinds of things will still happen, but the end is not right around the corner. It's not quite there. So even in my belief system of there being a rapture, we're going to see a lot of this culminating before it all explodes and gets worse. Does everybody get that? Okay, I really want you to get that. Otherwise, I'm going to start drawing on a board or something up here. I just want you to really get this. Like it will, no matter what, be worse than what it is now before Jesus raptures the church. Let's just put it that way. How bad it gets, we don't know. We know that it's going to start looking like this. But like I said, when the church is raptured, it's going to get a lot worse. What will happen is simply like this. Things will start to build up and get bad. Then the church will get raptured. The Antichrist will solve those level of problems and give a world peace for about three and a half years. But then he's going to violate his his agreement with Israel. He's going to go into their rebuilt temple. He's going to call himself God, and then he want to be worshipped. And then at that point, the Jewish people are going to run in fear away from him. And as that begins to happen, he's going to try to start hunting them down and bringing out like a new Holocaust type thing. God is going to protect them, and they're going to become end-time preachers. That's how we believe the end times is going to be, the gospel is going to be preached primarily through these Jewish folks. But at that time, God starts cursing the earth for three and a half years, and then what comes upon the earth has never been on the earth, never, never has, and the Bible says never will again. Again. But once again, if you're a good Christian like some of these brothers and sisters that I know who really love Jesus and you believe you're going through the whole thing, they're going to be ready for what we're facing now. So in one sense, they're better than us prepared in that sense because they know that this thing can go on for a while. They're not not looking for the escape eject button. Now for us who say, I want to get raptured out of here, what can probably be a good thing about us is that we're always ready to meet Jesus. You know, We're always thinking about it. It can happen at any moment for them. It's like, I don't have to worry about it so much because I got a a lot of time to watch the world deteriorate before I get ready. So in one sense, we have a benefit of having the right now doctrine, like Jesus can come back now, boom, like a thief in the night. But like I said, but what's a downside to that is we might get frightened at every little thing that happens, and we might go down the same track of the world freaking out over every little thing when the Bible literally said these things must happen first. This is the beginning. This is like the Bible saying these are the labor signs and the birth being the full judgment. Let's keep going. Verse 10. Then he said to them, nation will rise up against nation, kingdom against kingdom. There'll be great earthquakes, famines, pestilences in various places, and watch this, and fearful events and great signs from heaven. So are we ready to face pestilences? I mean, that's something we have to think about right now. How are we as a church, how are we as Christians going to face pestilences? Are we all just going to quarantine ourselves the entire time? No, because then we wouldn't be gathering together. We should be wise on how we quarantine ourselves. We should be wise on how we decide when we cancel a service, when we don't meet together. We only meet individuals. Because if the devil, all he has to do to disband the church is send send some type of plague, then there he goes. He won. But we need to use the wisdom of the world. We need to protect our families. And at the same time, we need to believe that it's good for us to continue to join together because these are the tactics of the judgment, the enemy coming upon us, uh, rather God allowing the enemy to come. Because you got to remember, what is judgment? Let's just stop right here and think about this. I always give the example about judgment as a rain and umbrella example. Okay? So let me explain this. Imagine if it was raining outside. Now... If you took the umbrella and went outside, you would be protected from the rain. Is the rain still there even though you're protected? Yes. Okay. Now, if you remove yourself from that umbrella or remove the umbrella from you so you get out from under or toss it aside, you get wet now, don't you? Is it the umbrella's fault that you're getting wet now? Not the umbrella's fault. It's your fault for coming out from under the umbrella. Now think of God's judgment the same way. Satan has always wanted to steal, kill, and destroy but he has given us the umbrella of his grace. The umbrella of his mercy. And when we are under that umbrella we are safe. Even ungodly people can come under that umbrella if they do the things God has taught them to do. But when they start violating those things, they come out from underneath that umbrella and they feel the the force of the rain, or in this sense, the force of the judgment. So in, in, in other words, the devil has always wanted to steal, kill, and destroy us. He has always wanted diseases to ravage our land. He has always wanted the earth to shake apart and kill us and all of these things. And God has protected humanity from this. He has given us a time to get the gospel out, to live holy, and to honor his laws. But there is going to come... A time will he not not people making the choice. Now watch this. In time judgment is God making the decision to move out that umbrella, or other words, His hand of protection, and He allows everything to begin happening. And on top of that, not only is the devil leashed, the Bible says, upon the earth to have his last his last stand there, but He God also sends bowls of wrath against His uh, creation. So when you think about Moses in the time of Egypt and Pharaoh, God withdrew his hand of blessing from the Egyptians and he sent curses upon the land. So everybody understand this. We don't want that we don't want God to curse us amen we want to be blessed in God we trust I was just reading that in a psalm the other day that is literally a verse in the Bible in God we trust so as we stop trusting in God as humanity turns away from God this is what's going to happen and then look at verse 12 it says but before all of this somebody say before this Before this, they will seize you and persecute you. They will hand you over to synagogues and put you in prison, and you will be brought before kings and governors and all on account of my name. And so you will bear testimony to me. Now, let's just think about this real quick. You're a Christian living during this time, the world is falling apart, there's diseases everywhere, there's wars everywhere. You can't trust governments. And then on top of that, what else is going on? Christianity is illegal. It's like as if they agreed on one thing in the middle of all of the chaos. Let's get those Christians. And you say, I don't know how that could be done. Think about the Jewish Holocaust. wars going on. Germans are fighting on all different fronts, fighting the Russians, fighting us, fighting Europe, all of these things going on. Yet they still have time to put Jews in boxcars and bring them over to concentration camps. It's like, don't you guys have battles to fight? Shouldn't you put more soldiers over here on the front lines instead of putting Jews in concentration camps? But that's how demonic they were influenced, as we learned last week, that people are influenced by demons. That was a demonic idea. In other words, I think the entire war was a cover-up for them to try to annihilate the Jewish people. The devil didn't care about Germans taking more land. That was just a deception to them. The devil's main lie was kill these people, and that's why at all costs, they kept that industry going even though it was costing them the war. I mean, a great study in history would be what would have happened if the Germans would have focused more on the war and less on concentration camps. Would they have had a better chance at even winning a war? But it shows you that during this time, the Bible says all of this will be going on. Yeah, it's crazy. People are worrying about whether or not they have all of their you know, disinfectants, what's going on with the world, all of these wars going on. And at the same time, they're going, arrest him, put him in a concentration camp, kill him and his family. So what are we going to do? Are we going to be afraid? Are we going to let the world uh, set the temperature? How many know the difference between a thermostat, a thermostat, and then what you take a temperature with? What is that thing called? A thermometer. How many know the difference between a thermometer and a thermostat? A few of you? Let me go through it real quick. A thermostat is what you go to to set the temperature. So I walk over to that thermostat and I go, okay, it's a little cold today. Let's put it to 70. And then boop, 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 I, I put that number to 70. The heater kicks on and what happens? The temperature of the room changes and now comes up to 70. You guys know how a thermostat works, right? Now a thermometer, does it change your temperature? No, it just tells you what your temperature is. Now In the relationship between us and the world, the world wants to be our thermostat. The news wants to be your thermostat. The the world wants to set the temperature of what you're going to be, and then you just be the thermometer, wake up in the morning, go, oh, my gosh, I have a fever! I look at what's going on in my life and just freak out because you are just receiving from them the input of what they want you to be. You are the temperature that they want you to be. So you think of the thermostat and then you look at the thermometer. You know, you you put up your thermostat to what you want and then if you have a thermometer, you go, okay, good. I put it to 70. It says it's 70. That's what the world wants to do. But God wants you to be on his temperature. God wants you to be on his temperature. God wants you, no matter what times you're living in, to be in his temperature and to be right at peace with him. Let's go to the book of Psalms. Let's look at Psalm chapter 55, verse 22. Psalm chapter 55, verse 22. What is it like in heaven right now? Is heaven freaking out over viruses on earth? No, is, uh, is the mother of Guadalupe up there interceding for us all? No, is is Saint Anthony helping us try to find the lost cure to this disease? Is is that is heaven freaking out? No, they're still worshiping heaven. I'm worshiping Jesus in heaven. They they are not mindful of our problems. Not that they don't care. It's not like when you know the Catholics try to get you to believe that uh, you know. Wouldn't you care? They try to give you this like this um, emotional story to believe in the saints. This is how they'll sell it to an informed Catholic. Most Catholics don't know what they're doing, just like a lot of Christians. But let's just say you meet an informed Roman Catholic priest. You talk to Father Tom, and he wants to explain to you why you do this. Okay, And, and he's going to say something like, Well, don't you care about your relatives, even though they're in Mexico or Italy and some other place of the world? You're not there, but don't you care? Don't you care? Well, if we're still who we are in heaven, wouldn't we care about our friends and family on earth? And you're like, yeah, I would care. And then they say, well, if they're in heaven and they're next to Jesus and they care, what are they going to do? They're going to pray for you. They're going to say, oh, I see my relative, my friend, this person, and they're suffering. I'm going to now pray to Jesus and ask them to help. How I know that sounds like a nice sad, sad story or should I should say emotional story that people might believe. Oh, that's, so, that's amazing. My, my aunt, she cares for me. She's next to Jesus. I'm just going to pray to my aunt and then my aunt will pray to Jesus. Okay. Number one, the Bible doesn't say anything about that. The Bible talks more about unicorns than it does about that. Okay. There's actually one reference to a unicorn. It's probably referring to a single-horned rhinoceros. But I'm telling you the truth. It talks more about unicorns than it does to you praying to saints. That's the first thing. The second thing is, what are we assuming? We are assuming that heaven is all about your daily issues. Heaven is not about you. Heaven is not about this earth. Heaven is not about any of those things. Heaven is about the glory of God. Now who does care about you? God cares about you. And so guess what? They trust that God to care about you. They don't have to get involved at all. They know that God right there has got everything under control. So let's take an example. We had a dear sister, Diana, pass in our church, and she left behind, you know, a family, her husband and her child. And that's emotional to us. We're going to miss her. And then we start maybe to put these things in our minds, you know. Man, you know, I bet you she just wishes she could come back, you know, and and be with her son and watch her son graduate high school and get married. And, you know, probably 20 years from now, as he's getting married, somebody's going to say to him, your mom's watching you from heaven. No, she's not, and she doesn't want to come back. She now sees why she was created. She wasn't created just to be a mom, to push out something from her body. Are you listening to me? She wasn't meant just to be a milk machine. She was not meant just to have friends. She was meant for the glory of God. She sees her entire purpose fulfilled now. I'm where I'm supposed to be. This is why I was created. She's there now, and then you might say, oh, but what about the problems her son will face or the problems of a husband being a widow? Okay, that's real, but she trusts that God. She's like, I know this one created everything. She'll take care of Juan. She'll take, uh, he'll take care of Juan. He'll take care of Elijah. I can see him. He lacks no strength. He lacks no power. I don't need to be his intermediary, intermediary. I don't need to help him now. I don't need to interrupt the worship of heaven and tap him and go, "Do you know? Do you know little little Elijah needs you now?" No, he sees the entire earth. He's got this thing under control. All she has to do is just cry out, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. All she has to do is just worship him and everything is going to be all right. Saying don't worry about a thing because every little thing is going to be all right. Yeah. <laughs> Saying don't worry. Sometimes you need some Bob Marley up in the house. Amen. Amen. He he had some truth, not all that truth, but he had some of it. Don't worry. Look at what the Bible says. Psalm chapter 55, verse 22. Cast your cares on the mother of Guadalupe. Is that what it says? Cast your cares on your deceased relatives. No, cast your cares on the Lord, and he will sustain you. He will never let the righteous be shaken. We might say to ourselves, oh, I feel like I'm shaking now. Well, it's not true because I feel a whole lot of shaking going on. No, no, no. Something's wrong then. Because if you're standing on the foundation of God, you will not be shaken. It didn't say there won't be problems. It didn't say there wouldn't be issues. I mean, the man writing this is in the middle of battles all the time. When he's talking about uh, a thousand, we're going to get there in just a minute. But when he's talking about a thousand at your one side and ten thousand at the other falling, he's literally saying, "Like I have watched thousands of people die all around me." And what he's teaching them isn't that you won't die. You're going to die sometimes, and you might even die in a battle, and you might die, and you might die of these other things. Maybe Mike acting weird. I am no longer Britney Spears with this mic anymore. I am now free from the spirit of Britney Spears in the headset. What are we going to do when we can't meet in public buildings, you know, when when it's illegal to be in church? Here's the question that we have to ask ourselves. If we're shaking, what foundation are we standing on? Because if we are shaking, we're not on God's foundation. We're still going to die. We're still going to have something that's going to take us out. Our, our body is cursed. It has to be put to death. That's the curse of sin. The body must die. Your body's going to die. And we can sit here and be all shooken up over it, or we can cast our cares onto the Lord and say, I trust him that when my time is up, my time is up. Now, that doesn't mean that we're not wise. If I could have a little more in the monitors, please. That doesn't mean that we're not wise. That doesn't mean that we drive without seatbelts and say, whatever God wants to take me, he'll take me. That doesn't mean we just eat whatever we want and say, Lord, just hold back the fat. Lord, don't let it touch my, my hips, Jesus. You know, come on! No, we don't. We don't do that. We're wise. Remember, the Bible's wise. The Bible has dietary codes. The Bible had uh, quarantine. The Bible had balms and essential oils. The Bible has all of that wisdom, and we should continue in that wisdom. But the idea is, we cannot essential oil ourselves out of death. We cannot eat ourse- eat so healthy as a vegan that we never die. We can't get out of this. We're going to die. But what we can do is whether in life or in death, we can cast all of our cares on Jesus. We can cast all of our cares on him because he cares for us. We are not going to die like the way they die. We are not going to be scared like how the world is scared. We are going to trust God in the middle of our weakness. Can I hear an amen? I put up a quote, thank you, of uh, C.S. Lewis because they were living during the atomic age. I put it up on Facebook. And I thought it would be good just to read a little bit of it here because what do you think it was like for them during that time when they knew now that bombs could be dropped on them at any time? They didn't know quite who had them and who didn't have them. And not only that, they had lived through chemical warfare in World War I. During those times, they even had uh, bomb uh, you know you know uh, uh, drills and those kinds of things where you would literally take bomb uh, drills in, in, in your school and learn how to hide under your 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 desk and all of that and so this is what he writes. He says, "How do we live in an atomic age i 'm tempted to reply, why, as you would live in the sixteenth century when the plague visited London almost every year." Or as you would have lived in a Viking age when the raiders from Scandinavia might land and cut your throat any night. Or indeed, as you are already living in an age of cancer, syphilis, paralysis, an age of air raids, on the age of railway accidents, and the age of motor accidents. So you would live the same way that anyone's lived through the world's tragedies. In other words, do not let us begin by exaggerating the novelty of our situation, Believe me, dear sir or madam, you and all whom you love were already sentenced to death before the atomic bomb was invented. Isn't that good news? (laughs) I'm kidding. And quite a high percentage of us are going to die in unpleasant ways. (laughs) How many know that? How many know a lot of our deaths isn't going to feel good? How many know you're not going to pass away like uh, you see in a Disney movie? You know, just... Just pass away just fall asleep. You're you're not going to die like that. You know, we have drugs now to ease the pain, but some of us might die screaming. (laughs) Some of us might die in great agony, and some of you are like, did I come to church really for this? Yes, you did, because I'm trying to tell you, face your worst fear. Face it. It might hurt, but it can only hurt for a moment. It can only hurt for, what, a few weeks, a few months. The Bible says eternity Last forever. I've done an illustration here before, where I've taken like a long uh, kite string and painted a little bit, some of you remember this, painted a little bit of it black, and I said, imagine all of your problems in life are on that black string that's painted black right there. That's your timeline of life. There's your 80 years, and here's what eternity looks like. Do you remember that? My brother Carlos, you kept pulling that string, I said, pull out that string, brother, because the Bible says, and we'll end with that scripture, the Bible says that what eternity is like is going to be far greater than what our our, our pains were like down here. The Bible says, cast your cares on him because he cares for you. So listen to what C.S. Lewis says, and I think it's good Bible advice as well. He says, this is what we should do. He says, if we're going to be destroyed by an atomic bomb, or we could put the carnivorous virus, the coronavirus rather, uh, if we're going to be destroyed by those things, I don't even know how to pronounce it, let that bomb, when it comes, find us doing sensible and human things, praying, working Teaching, reading, listening to music, bathing the children, playing tennis, chatting to our friends over a pint and a game of darts. How many know C.S. Lewis would have been fun to hang out with? Not huddled together like frightened sheep thinking about bombs. They may break our bodies. A microbe can even do that. But they need not dominate our minds. Don't let it dominate your mind. Cast your cares on God. Now, can I give you practical advice for this? Because it's easy right now, but it might be hard if one of our children got one of those diseases. It's easy right now, but it might be hard when one of us gets shipped on that train to that concentration camp. Because like I said, I know it's going to get worse before it gets better, and I don't know how much of the worse we're going to face. So let us all be ready for this. So it might be hard on those days for all of us. Burying one of our children because of a disease. Losing our friends and family because of persecution. How do I view this casting of our cares on Jesus as a practical thing we can do every day? Let's say at that moment, and some of you are facing these right now, life and death situations, despite the carnivorous carnivorous coronavirus. Carnivorous, this means you like to eat meat, right? Like the carnivorous virus might be some type of zombie thing where they come and eat us, Right? Uh, what do they call that uh, that show that was out? The Walking Dead. Come right. Okay. If that happens, just head to my house. I got a lot of guns. I got a jeep. We'll have fun with that. But uh, that's not happening either. Let's just be honest. Okay. But but let's just let's just say you're in life's tragedy right now, and it has nothing to do with the corona. Just think corona beer, right? Coronavirus. It has nothing to do with that. Okay. How do you go through burying a loved one now? How do you go through losing your job now? How do you go through a friend backsliding now? You know they turned their back on the Lord. Okay, let's just put ourselves in that position now and if it happens in the future. I look at our thoughts like a place where we can receive thoughts into our minds and we can meditate on them as seeds being planted into the ground or we can think of our mind as a trampoline that we allow things to bounce out of, okay? Every thought that you have does not have to become a seed in your mind that you plant, that you meditate, that you water, that you grow. There are thoughts in our minds that we need to let bounce, bung, bounce right out of our lives. Here's what I would do, and I have done in life's tragedies and problems, and what I want to do no matter what comes ahead. I want to take my thoughts and the ones that are of worry and of fear, and I wanna cast them onto Jesus. I wanna bounce them over to the Lord. So maybe you're going to the hospital after this and you're dealing with real tragedy, and on your way over there, you're just thinking about death and you're thinking about what am I gonna do without having this precious person in my life. When you start getting those thoughts, say, Lord, I trust you. I trust you with tomorrow. I trust you with my family. I bounce that thought right over. And you say, that sounds easier said than done. It it may be, but that is the only way we can do it. Because the moment you let those thoughts begin to plant themselves in your mind, they're going to start growing the fruit of worry and fear. And worry and fear will not be a good life for you. You might think to yourself, well, I'm honoring that person by thinking about how much I miss them in those ways all the time. No, you're not. Let's just think about it right here. All of us who are alive, I might say this with a tear in my eyes, I get a little bit more dramatic here, but let's be honest. All of us who are alive, if we were to pass tomorrow, would we want anyone here that we love sitting next to us to be thinking sad thoughts about us? No, none of us. None of us, if something were to happen to me, God forbid, on the way home today, and I died in a car accident, and three years from now, my children are still feeling the pain of losing their father, that would be the worst thing that I could ever imagine. I would tell them, don't do that. Dad's in heaven. He's having fun. I'll see you soon. Live your life. You're going to be Okay. Your mom's going to remarry. She's going to find a hot man of God in the church, okay? She's going to find her a man, okay? You're going to be all right. I don't want, I'll get all Southern with her. You're going to be all right, child. You know, let's just, come on, let's just be honest. We would When we have all been around our loved ones as they're passing, what do they say as they're wiping the tears from our eyes? Worry more. Uh, be more uh, upset about the situation. No, what do they do? They say, Don't worry. I'm going to be all right. I'm going to a better place. It's going to be okay. You're going to be okay. Why, why is that? It's because most of them have already lived long enough as, as, as we're thinking about burying our grandparents. I've lost all of four of my grandparents. You know, they're thinking, I've already lost my parents and I've already lost my grandparents. Because remember, they've lived a long life before we got to know them. How many know it would have been cool to meet Agüela when she was about 15 or 16 or 18? Or to meet our grandparents when they were young—that would have been cool. But how many know we only met them when they were old? We only met them when they talked all the time, smelled weird, but they could sure cook. Amen. Oh, y'all ashamed to even say that now. Okay, my grandparents smelled a little bit weird, but they sure knew how to love. Okay, but they know that. See, they're passing now, and that's like the first—that's like the first introduction for me to see somebody pass. And my, my um, Polish grandmother, as she was in her 90s, she would just be like, oh, Joey, Joey, it's okay, it's okay. She, she knew what was ahead. I'm going to pass. I've lived here 90 years. You're going to be okay. Because imagine my grandmother. Where was she? She grew up, knew her mom, her grandma, and they already passed. And she knew that she lived on. You see, if my daughter right now continues to live in depression, doesn't do the kinds of things that C.S. Lewis is talking about, then she'll never be able to get married, become a grandmother, and enjoy life herself. The things of the past will hold her back but she needs to see life for what it is. I didn't give her life. Did you give anybody life here? I know some mamas want to take credit for that because they say, I gave it to your kid and I can take it away. No, you can't mama. And You didn't give it either. You were just just a host. You were just someone that the Lord used to bring, to incubate that person. But you didn't make life. You didn't make those cells. You didn't put that DNA code there. You weren't stitching them together in their molecular structure. God did all of that. That. So here's the deal. We didn't give life. We don't get to take it away. So we should honor the Lord and honor life. We honor life, not death. We laugh in the face of death. We don't fear it. We say, death, ha <laughs> where is your sting? You can't take away our joy. The Bible says, cast your cares on him. So just simply filter your mind that way. Say, is this a thought that I should plant and grow, or is this a thought that I should bounce and cast right to Jesus? So right now, as we are in this time of the coronavirus, I'm just bouncing all of those thoughts right back to Jesus. And I'm saying, God, you control everything. The doctors know what they're doing. I'm just going to trust you. I'm going to go forward and keep living life, amen. And I'm going to be here, Lord, praising you every day I have breath in my lungs. If I have to bury some of my friends or kids, I'll preach at their funerals. If they have to bury me, then they can preach at my funeral. But in life or in death, Lord, I'm going to serve you. I mean, that's it. You can't come to God and say, I'm only going to serve you on the good days. I mean, what if it did turn into the Black Plague type thing? We bury half of our church. Okay, I'm still living for Jesus. What's the point of just being sad all the time about losing half of y'all? I'm going to hang out with the other half and have fun. Okay, and if I'm not here next week, have a good time without me. You know, think about that. Pastor's not here, so we're going to start off the service with a sad song. There's a tear in my beer, and I'm wishing you were here. Bang 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 bang! Pastor Joe's not here, everybody. It's a sad day, man. If Pastor Joe has ever passed, you better put on the happiest song you have ever learned for Jesus. Shout and dance, cause I'm in heaven. Doesn't this preacher remind you of what you used to be told by some of your older folks, anybody brought up, brought up in the church? This is how we live as Christians. So I know in our generation you've thought about death in a different way. Now go back to your ancestors. And if you haven't been brought up a Christian, go back to the Bible as your ancestors and get that in your heart and mind. Let's go to the book of Romans in closing. Oh, Adam, would you come, please? Our momentary and light afflictions are achieving for us a greater weight of glory. Romans, uh, excuse me, 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 17. Can we be sad? Absolutely. Can we be wise? Yes. Does everybody get the balance of what I'm saying today? But ultimately, guard your heart. Guard your heart from the fears of this world. Guard your heart from the sorrows and the depression. Those of you who lose a loved one, think of all the things you had with that loved one. Were you married to that person? Did you get to know them? Did you raise a family with them? A grandma, did you get to be at her house and get to have food with her? Some people never knew their grandmother. Some people never get married. Some people never have kids or ones that they like. Come on, somebody. You had a chance to live. Be grateful. Even though life has pains and troubles, it's not the way it was always meant to be, but in a fallen world, God is still good. Don't lose heart. 2 Corinthians 4.16, therefore we do not lose heart. Somebody say, I will not lose heart. Come on, say, I will not lose heart. Have you ever watched this uh, show, the cartoon show at the zoo? What's that called? It has Ben Stiller in it, and the guy from Friends... What's it called? Madagascar. Yes, Madagascar. Yes, Madagascar. They know it. What's the full name? Is it just called Madagascar? Okay, Madagascar. There's a, typical, there's a typical scene that happens in the show, and that is the giraffe starts freaking out, and when the giraffe freaks out, you've seen this in other shows, they slap them and say, stop. That's what we need to do to ourselves sometimes because what does the freak out do? What does it produce after we freaked out? Does it bring back anybody from the dead? Does it help us as doctors figure out cures? Does Does it help us be better parents? No. Freaking out steals life from you. Losing your heart steals life from you. Fear, false evidence appearing real. Fear is a liar. It's a liar. Don't believe it. We as Christians, we excel in this. We're ready for this. The world is freaking out, and we're like, that's why I've been going to church. Come to life group with me. I've got some answers for you. This is when we get to work. Are you listening? We've been waiting for this. I mean, have you believed the end times are coming? We're ready for this. We're not freaking out. We trust God. Therefore, don't lose heart, though outwardly we are wasting away. It doesn't matter which disease it is. We're all going to die. Even age is a disease we can't stop. Yet inwardly, we are being renewed day by day. How many of you older saints who've got some gray hair, and how many like that I match my hoodie with my hair today? Come on. Even us older saints, how many know when you look in the mirror, you don't recognize yourself? Man, who is that person with all the gray hair? You know, I don't walk around looking at myself much so I don't think about it. But when I'm on Facebook or that friend visited me the other week, I'm like, man, you look old, dude. (laughs) He's like, look at you, man. You have more gray than black. You know, you're going gray. He's going bald, you know. (sighs) We're outwardly wasting away. But how many know those who have been around Jesus for a while? Inwardly, it just feels like day after day, you're getting more on fire. You're getting more reasons to live. You're getting more joy. I feel like right now I have more joy, more peace than I have had in my entire life. I feel like I'm just getting good at this thing called life in Jesus' name. Man, I want to live a hundred more years for Jesus. Don't take me home yet, Lord. Jesus has that impact on your life. Though you're outwardly wasting away day by day, you're being renewed for our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. I know for us, we always want to think, the troubles, they are so much greater in weight than the glory. So if you put them on a scale, here's glory, and over here is the troubles, we're like, Too many troubles in life, only an itsy-bitsy amount of glory. And the Bible says, no, it's the opposite. Glory. Glory outweighs these light and momentary troubles. I wish I had a Baptist on the keyboard right now because I just want to tell you that everything you've ever gone through is light and momentary and everything... That God's got for you is eternal, full of glory. My Latinos are struggling. My African American brother, you got to help them. Get up here, Vinny. Get up here, Vinny. Turn him up. Turn him up. This Latino brother going to redeem it. I've been preached in a while. I'm telling you right now, I get excited when I think about this. Tell me when you're ready. Everything you have ever faced. Somebody say everything you have ever faced. I'm talking about burying your loved one. I'm talking about being sick. I'm talking about every funeral you have ever gone to. Man, you better hit me on that. Come on. I'm saying every bad day you've ever had. Brother, are we even preaching together? Let me show you how this works. I preach. Burn you give me twice. Stop real quick. Stop real quick. I preach. You give it to me like that. We get in a rhythm. And then the drums come in. And they start clapping. Okay, hold up now. Now it's just the show. Forget that. Just give it to me a little bit. I might build it back up, though. Everything you've ever faced. From going to funerals to going to the hospital. It's all been temporary. Every bad day you've ever had. Every time somebody did you wrong. It's just temporary, y'all. Every time. Somebody say every time. And say everything. Everything. I've ever faced has been light and momentary. Somebody say this, glory. Say this, glory. Oh, glory. The glory. And it's eternal. The glory that you got coming. It will never end. All this. Woo! It's gonna end. We got Glory. Glory, 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 Glory. Glory. oh, glory. glory, 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 eternal glory. Give it up for Jesus today. Come on. Woo, that was fun. Thank you. Stay standing as we close out. That's what we do in the face of the coronavirus. We preach. We sing. We dance. I want to tell you something. You got to look the devil right in the eye and say, Is that the best you got? Because I'm not going to quit. Stay up there if you could, please. I'm sorry to bring him this, let this end out. Because I'm going to tell you everything is going to be all right, as the old timer said. Everything is going to be all right. It doesn't mean we won't have sad days. It doesn't mean we won't say goodbye to the people we loved. It just means that these things, somebody say these things, are light and momentary. You can get mad at the apostle Paul all you want, but hey, I think he knew about glory that you didn't know about. Some of y'all might get mad at Paul and say, but Paul, you don't know. All these troubles that I face, Paul. Paul, you don't understand. I'm struggling. And Paul says, You don't know like I know about that glory. About that glory. He says, You don't know like I know about that glory. About that glory. He says, You don't know like I know about that glory. About that glory. He said, You don't know like I know about that glory. About that glory. Whoa, you can't tell it like I can what he's done for me. You can't tell it like I can what he's done for me. You can't tell it like I can what he's done for me. You can't tell it like I can what he's done for me. You can't tell it like I can. Whoa, you can't tell it like I can what he's done for me. You can't tell it like I can. Say glory, the glory, oh glory, the glory, glory. I'm a soldier in the army of the Lord. I'm a soldier in the army. I'm a soldier in the army, in the army of the Lord. I'm a soldier in the army. When I die, let me die, army of the Lord. When I die, let me die in the army of. The oh, when I die, let me die in the army of the Lord. When I die, oh, let me die I'm a soldier, baby. I'm a soldier, the army of the Lord. I'm a soldier in the army of the Lord. I'm a soldier. In the army of the Lord. Woo! The soldier you can't tell it. Oh, you can't tell it like I can you can't tell it like I can, you can't tell it like I can, you can't tell it like I can, when the saints go marching in, oh, when the saints go marching in, oh, when those saints go marching in, we'll say glory, glory, hallelujah. When those saints go marching in, oh, when the saints go, oh, when saints go marching in, oh, when those saints go marching in, oh Lord, oh Lord, I want to be in that number. Oh, when the saints go marching in, woo, glory, glory, hallelujah. When those saints go marching in, oh, glory, glory, hallelujah. And the saints marching in. Woo. Woo. Hallelujah. Woo. I feel Jesus. Yeah. My wife and family will tell you about two weeks ago, we got lit in our house singing these old songs. And I was thinking to myself, how do we bring these here? I guess we needed the coronavirus to show us that we're going to go old school. Amen. Woo! Love you guys. Let's get the altar workers up here. If you love Jesus, give it up for him. Come on. Like I say, if you hear me singing, you know it's because I love Jesus. Oh, thank you. Needed that. Woo! They don't have to touch you, but they can pray for you. Lord, we thank you for today. We thank you, Lord, that though our troubles may feel so big, this side of heaven, you've told us through the Apostle Paul that they're light and momentary because, God, you've got glory for us, eternal glory. I ask that everyone here, Lord, will know and love you and serve you all the days of their life. If you're here today and you don't know Jesus yet personally, let this wake you up. You're going to die. Everybody's going to die. But Jesus says you can have eternal life. You can be born again. Be born again right now in the name of Jesus. Say, Jesus, come into my heart. Be my Lord and Savior. Those of you who are already saved, if fear has taken you over and you just felt like maybe it was too much, just surrender your life to God right now. Just even raise up your hands and say, Jesus, I surrender. You gave me life. I shouldn't be afraid. I cast my cares on you. Oh, I cast my cares on you. I cast all my worries. Maybe you had worries outside of this epidemic. Just cast them on Jesus. Maybe someone in your family sick. Maybe you're going through financial troubles. Cast your cares on Jesus. And then lastly, if you're here today saying, I want to be a part of the, the end time revival that comes to this earth, ask God to use you right now to preach to your friends, your family, your coworkers, because this is a great opportunity To tell the world about Jesus. It's been prophesied in our books. Hallelujah. Lord, be with us. Save us to be witnesses. Keep our minds pure from from all of this evil. From all of this fear. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. If you love him, can you say amen? Amen and amen. God bless you. Thank you, first service. That was fun.